Welcome back to What's Your Bliss, part of the Anything But Credible Network. My name is Thomas Ragland, and I am delighted to come back to you another week. My guest today is a motivational speaker and consultant, Stacy Peterson. Stacy, welcome, and What's Your Bliss? Hi, thank you so much for having me. And I would have to say my bliss is actually two things. The first one is purpose, and the second one is finding life in the small. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's start with purpose. What what does that look like to you? What has that meant for you in your life or has that has that changed over time? Um, sure. So I have this really long dramatic story of almost dying a bunch and so forth. <laughs> and uh, basically, um, I went through a time period where I lost pretty much everything in my life, including my health, my ability to walk, all that kind of stuff, uh, finances, marriage, home. And it was the sense of purpose um, that really kind of motivated me to keep going. And because what would happen, uh, I almost died five times from septic shock. And each time you would have nurses and doctors say, wow, you almost died last night. And then I would think, well, then why am I still here? Mm. And so that gave me a sense of purpose of I'm still here. So maybe I should do something with that <laughs> and really um, live a life that's authentic to me, um, which is to help other people. And so that sense of purpose is really what kept me moving forward and still does. Like that's the key for me personally, when it comes to overcoming obstacles. So um and then, uh, you know, I can, uh, when it comes to life happening in the small, that also is from basically when I lost everything and I couldn't walk, mm -hmm. I couldn't do anything. You have to start very, very small to find the joy and the momentum to move forward. Like uh, I literally um, would could not walk. And so I had to move forward like one painful step at a time. Mm -hmm. And that is very true too of any of us that who are struggling, perhaps you're going through a challenging time um, that sometimes emotionally and mentally it's one painful step at a time. And it's in those small moments that like joy and life seem to happen and move forward. Not the big, we all love the big, <laughs> I'd love a million dollars and right. famous, but I've learned that's not where the bliss is. It's easy to celebrate the big. And it's it not It's not always easy to not only recognize the small, I think that's hard enough, but it, it's not hard. To, it, it, it is hard to, to celebrate the small sometimes because it feels, uh, it's almost like, is this warranted? And I think to your point, taking that time out to find that bliss, to find that joy in even living another day, right, is is something to be celebrated. Yes. Yeah. Like there's a lot of days, like here's a, you know, when I talk, talk about life and this, like finding your bliss and life happening in this small, um, there's a lot of days where when I wake up, I'm like, huh, my legs work. Cause they almost didn't. And yeah. I'm alive. And <laughs> like, or I have teenagers and when they're falling apart and fighting, I get to say, wow, I'm here to experience this as their mom. And <laughs> it does give you a sense of gratitude because I almost didn't have those things. And that's, those are very, very small things. But also I think if you think about like your happiest moments in life, 
like the things that brought you the most joy, especially when you were a kid, it was really the little things, you know, like the memories of what you have, whether it was hanging out with your friends way late into the night in the summer and outside, or it was like moments with your grandma in the kitchen. And it's just those little tiny things that gave you joy. And I think the same is true now, probably for you, you just might not be looking for it. Right. Yeah, I I have a couple of thoughts on that. The first one is, I spoke with someone a couple of weeks ago on the podcast who we got into a conversation about awe and like the childlike view of the world, which is awe. Everything is, it is kind of that everything is amazing, right? Everything is new. Everything is exciting. And we lose that along the way. We become cynical. We we have experiences. We have traumas. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that that kind of diminishes in us. But being able to find that in whatever brings you that joy, I think, is is really important. Um, and then the second thing I think is, uh, as a parent, one of the first things that people will say to you is, the the days are long, but the years are short, right? And <laughs> yeah. I think that that really speaks to that as well. It's finding that that those little pieces every day or those little moments, those little memories that you can hold on to, uh, because those are the things that that do resonate and matter and last versus, you know, uh, even like we're talking about, like we celebrate the big moments, but do you remember, you know, your 25th birthday as compared to, like you said, that random night that you spent on the baseball field all night with your friends? Maybe not. And I think that that's, uh, that's certainly, I think there's something to that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that. And, you know, I used to hear the same thing as a mom, people would say that, you know, they, Oh, just enjoy it. It goes by so quick. And I remember thinking, are you kidding? Like today alone has already lasted 487 hours and it's only (laughs) 9am. So I did not understand what they were talking about. It took years for me to go, Oh, yeah. Sometimes we have to live through stuff before we can appreciate it. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, I always think of the other piece, the which is it, as someone with very young kids, I'm like, oh no, I hate thinking of this. But this idea of uh, like, there's a certain point where you never, where you don't pick your kid up again, right? And I, like, I want to hold on to that as long as possible. So my plan is to just you know keep picking them up well into their 60s, but uh, we'll still see how that goes. <laughs> I don't know if they'll like it or if my back will hold up. But yeah, I, I think it is about it's it's just about celebrating again those those not even wins, just moments, uh, just accepting like, Hey, we are, we're alive to experience this. Like you said about, you know, experiencing your, your teenagers kind of fighting with each other. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a question that I, I think can be really powerful. Like maybe you're listening and you're like, I don't know what you guys are talking about, about moments in the small or my life is really hard right now, or it's just so busy. There's no way I could even take five seconds to enjoy anything. Um, You know, life has seasons like that and there are times, but I love this question. And I would challenge you to ask yourself this every day for 10 days. It's not like a long time. Um, And it's just, you can set an alarm. I usually like to say like around four in the afternoon uh, because there's still time. (laughs) And what the question is, is have I lived today? Hmm. Like, have I lived 
today. And for each of us with our own personalities and the things that bring us joy, it's different. Like we just are different in a lot of ways. And so what brings you joy may not bring me joy and vice versa. But if you get to four o'clock and you're like, you know what? Uh, no, I haven't. You still have time right. <laughs> before the day is done. And it's something very, very simple of whatever it is that can bring just a moment of joy. It could be sending a text to somebody just saying, I love you hmm. or going for a walk outside for 20 minutes just to see the world or nature, experience it that way. Um, just making sure you look your kid in the eye for 10 minutes or being positive to someone in the grocery store. Like it's just making a positive difference. Again, it kind of ties back to that purpose. But if you know those little tiny, simple things that make you feel alive, like today you made a difference or today was worth living, um, then just by asking yourself that question to get yourself in the habit of every day doing something where you're not literally just surviving, you're living. Right. I, I think that's beautiful and so needed. You know, I think of in general, I think we, most of us could probably use like more positive self-talk, but I think beyond that, it's this, it is this recognition of what, what have I done today? That's, that's, that's made it a good day. What, have, what, yeah, are you living? And I, I really have, I lived today. I mean, I, I just, I just love that so much. Let me ask though, on, on kind of on the, on the flip side of that, are there days that, I mean, I know there are days that seem harder than others, so I, I won't phrase it that way, but what do you do to push through on those days that seem harder than others to either feel like your purpose is being fulfilled or to feel like you are, um, you know, recognizing those those small pieces and finding life in that what what pushes you through on those days or what kind of maybe gets you out of a funk on those days sure well <sighs> so this kind of goes back to where i just uh, lost everything i pretty much and including my sense of self and and um and it was quite a journey and the third time I almost died, I had surgery and then I would go in every day for, uh, I did it for 12 weeks of daily IV antibiotics and they were like, you're good. You're cured. Everything's fine. And four weeks to the day I stopped those antibiotics, the infection came back. And I, again, mm -hmm. I almost died because up until that point I thought, oh, it's just a season. Like I'm going to get through this. And then I realized in that moment that it wasn't just a season, like this is where my life was at. And, um, I, from there, I went into a very dark depression for about a year and a half. I was diagnosed with PTSD from almost dying so much. Um, I still have PTSD and, um, do my best, you know, most of the time I'm able to manage it pretty well, but there are times where it does flare and I will just throw this out real quick that one of the things that I'm the most proud of that helped really, um, change things for me was that I had the courage to ask for help. Yeah. And so I have this philosophy now that if I'm struggling and I'm not able to manage it on my own, why waste one more day being miserable when there's things out there that can help you? So always get help. That's one of my, my biggest things, but 
there was a couple things I learned about that. Um, the first one is that life, a lot of times it's not just a day-to-day thing. There's seasons that get really challenging and it's really hard when you're going through one of those seasons and people are like, well, just be happy. Just find your bliss. You want to kind of punch them in the face, right? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And What I realized about that is because people aren't acknowledging your pain. I had a Mm. moment where I I remember exactly where I was. I was driving in the car and something had happened and I pulled over and I threw myself a pity party. Mm. And I said, uh, I said to myself, what, you know, I've been through all of this and now I have to deal with that. This is so unfair. And I was really mad. And I realized in that moment that no one had ever acknowledged everything, all of my loss. There is something so healing about someone saying to you, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry you're going through this. That must be so scary. Um, just that acknowledgement of recognition instead of saying, well, you're going to get through it. Just think positive, da, 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 da. There has to be a moment of recognition that, um, and the phrase that came to my mind in that moment is that your pain is priceless. And what I mean by that is when you go through something painful or hard, like a hard season and, um, maybe it affects your finances or a relationship or your sense of security or your innocence or your health. It takes something from you that was priceless that you didn't give permission for it to be taken. And now you're left wanting to hold on to whatever you have left. We kind of live like this with our hands up guarded uh, because we don't want anything else taken from us. And because that thing was priceless, that relationship or our health was priceless. And what I realized in that moment was that I had to then make a choice. Like, what was I going to do with that? Was I going to be one of those people who lived my whole life guarded and bitter and angry and blaming people, or could I give it away uh, by turning it into something positive? And that's hard. That's really hard. Um, But in exchange, that pain has become something that is priceless. It's given me a life that I never thought I'd have, a career I never thought I'd do. I get to travel and meet people I'd would never get to do. And I exchanged, something was taken, but I tried to turn it to good. And what I've gotten in exchange is priceless as well. And so I think that first just recognizing that it is okay to not be okay all the time. Like it's okay. It's normal. We're humans. We breathe and we hurt. And that's just negative emotions are a part of life. I think that giving yourself permission to say it's okay, it's or, or I'm so sorry that you're going through this, this is hard, giving yourself that permission is very helpful. The second thing with that that I do a lot of times is um, I will allow myself a certain amount of time to throw a pity party. And <laughs> yeah. when I was uh, really, really struggling with the PTSD, it was like three days where I would say, I'm going to give myself three days to just like be a taker in this world and like accomplish nothing and feel sorry for myself and cry and just, you know, be a sloth. And 
I will do one day I'm down two days I'm down, but the third day I rise. And that was what my thing was. I, I would give myself a time frame, And then as I got better and healthier, it would get shorter and shorter to now. A lot of times it's like, you know what? I just need 10 minutes right now <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to go through the pity party and then say that that's it. Then I move on. Like I'm letting it go. So acknowledging that you're struggling giving yourself permission to feel it and then making a choice to move forward is really um, what I think is super key and moving forward, just like when with my health, when I was walking, it hurts, it's hard yeah. and it's not fair. Um, but again, you kind of have to go back to that question of who do I want to be in this world? What do I want my life to represent? And it's really up to you and those decisions that you make and those really hard situations Absolutely. Yeah, I, I find myself resonating with a lot of that. And, you know, I started this podcast, not because I wanted it to be like, everything is sunshine and rainbows, but really to say, a lot of it for me is what can we do in those moments? Are there different ways that I can figure out how to find bliss when I am struggling, when I'm down, when I'm out? And I think that's been the beauty of a lot of these conversations and a lot of our conversations have also had that same trajectory of talking about mental health and, and what we do to kind of um, not just cope, but really rise through that. And I think that becomes such an, an excellent to be like painting of all of these different things that we really can do and can be. And yeah, I, I like I said, for me personally, I also find myself really resonating with that because I I do the same thing in, in a way. Um, I've never put it as eloquently as I think that you did just now. But this idea of I'm only going to give myself a certain amount of time to sit in this, but I need to sit in this. I cannot ignore it. I cannot push it down. Because if I do that, then I'm not addressing it. And if I'm not addressing it, then it's always going to kind of loom there, right? It's to, to take it back to medical uh, pieces. Like if you break your arm and it's just broken, but you never go get it checked, it may not heal correctly. It may constantly give you uh, issues. It may not hurt every single second of every single day, but there will be things that remind you of that pain. And eventually you need to, to rectify that. Um, but I also love that you talked about, you know, finding someone to talk to and, and also that recognition. And this one, this one really uh, kind of cut me deep, but this recognition of no one's ever, no one's ever asked me what's wrong in a way that they really cared about, right? Or they've never given me the support that I needed. They've just said, it will get better. And I think it goes against this. I don't know if it's societal or if it's human nature or what, but it goes against us to to ask in that way or to, or to support in that way. Automatically, we want, we feel like we're being supportive by saying, well, it'll get better. You'll get through it and all of this stuff. And what we really need is, again, someone to, just sit with us through that into it reminds me a lot of times and many relationships face this, but my, certainly my wife and I have talked about this, this idea that it's much more powerful for me to just say that sucks rather than it'll get better. It's just it, the recognition of what you're going through. And it's, it's so hard to find because it's, it's against everything we're taught as children, right? As, as here's how you, how you show empathy and we are, what we're talking about really goes against that, but is so much more powerful. Yes. I love that. I love what you just shared. Absolutely. I, and it is, it's so weird that we, um, 
and I don't know if it just makes us feel uncomfortable. Like we're uncomfortable with somebody else's negative emotions. Like it triggers something in us sure. um, or we feel like, oh, I don't know what to say to make this person feel better. And so we over talk, right. <laughs> over promise, under deliver. Um, <laughs> so I think that, you know, one of the most powerful things you can do really, so let's say your friend is, unfortunately diagnosed with cancer and you're like, I don't really know what to say. Well, my thing is don't say anything, just listen and acknowledge and say, I'm so sorry. How can I support you? Uh, you know, and just let them process hmm. through. And it is true. Like what you said about, you know, ch from childhood on, you're just gotta, you, we kind of learn how to fake it. Like, this is hmm. how you act. This is how you behave, but I don't, think that that is a recipe for a good life. I think that what makes us good people, empathetic people, intelligent people, um, people of substance is both the good and the bad. We yeah. learn the most through hardships. And I hate that. I wish it was the opposite. But if you have gone through something really hard, you probably walked out hopefully a better person. Mm -hmm. You know, they say with wisdom comes pain and with pain comes wisdom. So <laughs> yeah. it is in those moments where your character is challenged and the way that you're living your life and the belief systems that you have, all those things are challenged and you kind of come out a little more each time, smarter, better, more determined if you allow it. I mean, it can definitely defeat us at times, which is where we get help, but, uh, on those things. And so shying away from pain, cause it's natural. <laughs> nobody wants to be like, Hey, I want to feel pain today. It right. sucks. Nobody wants that. But I think recognizing the power that once again, pain can be a priceless thing where it's very can hurt you, but it's also priceless in that the gifts it can give you in the long run, because a lot of times our purpose, people will say, well, how do I find my purpose? Or how do I find what means something to me to do? And it doesn't have to be vocation. It just means something that gets you out of bed every day. A lot of times our purpose is something that we've experienced from pain and whatever it is, that's also our gifting. So whatever you were awesome at as a kid, before everybody told you, you couldn't do it. <laughs> that's right. probably your gifting Yeah. <laughs> that coupled with some painful experiences somewhere in there is your purpose. Cause think about people probably all know someone who, uh, maybe they struggled with their health for a long time and then they got really healthy. And now they're down at the gym five days a week, teaching people classes and supporting people in that way or they were going through bankruptcy and then they sat down and wrote a budget. And now 10 years later, they're wealthy and they're teaching other people how to do it because with that pain came the wisdom and the knowledge to basically make it, uh, to give them a sense of purpose with whatever it is that they're good at. So for you, I would encourage you to think about that. If you're unsure of like, I don't know what my purpose is. Hmm. What did you love to do as a kid? What brought you joy? Uh, before any naysayers came along? And then what are some of the lessons that you've learned through some of the painful experiences? Absolutely. Let me piggyback on that a bit and just ask what you said about purpose and it not necessarily being tied to vocation, I think speaks to me. And 
I'm sure that anyone who uh, knows me in my professional life uh, thinks I'm probably about to go on to a, a capitalism rant, but I'm not, I promise. Um, but <laughs> but I do have a question about that in in how, especially in a society that is um, that that puts so much value on what you do and puts so much value on, uh, you know, hear it all the time, like find something you love and have someone pay you for it. And I think that that works in a vacuum sometimes. And I think sometimes it can be really detrimental because it can really, it can really dull your passion for whatever you have. So in, in a society like that, like ours, how do you kind of separate your passion from this is something I have to do as a job, I have to make money doing this. How do you, how do you separate that purpose from, from that piece? If you can, I don't know if you can, but (laughs) Um, I would say a couple, so a couple different things. So (laughs) I didn't get into my whole story, but um, my first marriage, my husband was diagnosed with a terminal illness and I had two small children at home and I had just started a theater company um, teaching kids the arts. And when he got sick, he was, it happened so quick, he was unable to work. And so I went from being like a part-time stay-at-home mom, or my kids were always with me to the next several years of working two or three jobs, literally sometimes 70, 80 hours a week, and then coming home and trying to keep food on the table. At that point, my purpose was different in that my purpose was to provide for my family because your purpose can change. And once again, it's just one of those seasons. Um, through all of it. And then everything that I went through and then almost dying, I realized that I had actually wasted a lot of my time trying to fit into a society that didn't bring me joy. It wasn't true to myself. I don't know that it's true to anyone actually. (laughs) So, um, and that I didn't want to waste another day of my life doing that, but I also knew it would require extreme risk, fear, um, basically trading certain comforts for certain things. And I think that if you have, you know, you're working a job that you don't like remembering it, that that is a season and there are things to gather from that, but do you want to live your whole life that way? Right. <laughs> like what is that passion in you? And you know, you'd probably don't want to do what I did where it takes you almost dying. Like I don't recommend that. Don't try that at home. <laughs> it works, but let's you not, let's not do that. Say, you know what? This isn't thing. but here's what happens is you got to let go of your sense. Your, we kind of all have a false sense of security that got broken in 2020. Everything we relied on, all of a sudden we were like, huh, this isn't reliable. (laughs) Whether that was jobs or certain relationships we were used to or toilet paper, you know, like it was just certain things we relied on that we didn't think twice of. And then we recognized, oh, that actually wasn't as secure as I thought or my health even. And so when you're looking at, can I do this even if it's a side hustle or can I make money at it? Um, I could tell you from personal experiences, there are three things (laughs) that can tell you whether or not it's viable. The first one is, unfortunately, there has to be a marketplace for it. Hmm. So if you make Christmas ornaments out of cat hair, 
totally awesome and you love it and you want to give all the money to the humane society. That's so awesome, but you are probably not going to be able to pay your rent. Mm -hmm. So there's not a big enough marketplace for it. So you have to be able to know what your passion and your purpose is and where that overlaps in society that people will pay for it. Because if you find something you love, like making cat hair ornaments, that's not a huge it's not a huge market, right? right. <laughs> you want a bigger market. You got to, so people will say you can't be a sellout. Yes, you can. You need to be a sellout if you want to actually make some money. So I am very artistic. Um, there are things that I want to say that I don't say as a comedian or speaker, and you can call it selling out, but it affords me literally the ability to be able to then speak on things that other things that are meaningful to me. Right. Um, the second thing is really just letting go of that, uh, that sense of security and risk and making sure <laughs> that you're going to be okay with it because, um, that's it. We long for that safety and security. That's why we don't like pain and the pain of the unknown is very real. If you're trying to branch out and take a risk and make that your whatever. And then it was <laughs> the purpose uh, for me is every time I failed, uh, every time I messed up, I, um, I just, it was that sense of purpose that kept me going. And, uh, and so I really couple that, like that purpose, um, of really being the thing, the thread that got me to keep going when it was really challenging and that's a bonus because I said three. Uh, the other thing too, was that I uh, am an avid learner. Mm. So I knew there was so much about business. I did not know. I still don't know, but I, so I just ask anyone who was better than me, like, how do you do it? What do you do? I would get mentors. I got involved in organizations that like taught those things. I watched YouTube so that I could learn to actually uh, do some of the things that I like, I hate budgeting and <laughs> I don't like business systems and all those things that are required to make a living. So if you want to make a living, recognize it's hard, yeah. but it's very worthwhile. Uh, but you're going to have to change a lot about yourself and uh, what your needs are. And, and you you know, you're going to struggle probably, especially in the beginning financially. And, and, you know, my parents were hippies. So they went and now at the time it was popular, but they stayed the course for many years where we raised our own food. We, I was born in a one room cabin with no running water or electricity and we ran out of water every summer. So we bathe in the Creek or shower in the meadow, that kind of thing. And you have to be willing to turn your back in some ways on society norms. Like if you can't afford the car right now, because you're building your business, or you can't afford to eat out right now because you're building your business, but you believe that in three to five years, you're going to be making a difference. So being able to do that, like if you want to be one of those people that heads to the forest, being having the courage to just step away from what society um, shows you is successful. Um, it, it's, it's, it's hard, but so worthwhile because I, for me, my definition of success is peace, purpose, contentment, joy. 
If I don't have those four things, then I'm not successful. I don't care how much money I have in the bank. I'm just not. So what are those things that are defined success for you? Not from what everybody else says, like you got to be, you know, rich and beautiful and all these things. Um, because like, if you just look at the Kardashians, I don't think any of them are married. Are they? I like, they're not successful with relationships. So you can have a lot of money and look amazing, (laughs) but are they successful? I don't know. Like they're not successful with relationships. So you need to define that for yourself of what success looks like and go back to that over and over and over again. I think that was a lot. I just, no, I loved it. it (laughs) No, it was great. And I think it's, I think it's really, it's really eye-opening for me. um, And I'm sure it is for our listeners of, especially that, that last piece. And when you talked about the Kardashian, the contentment for the Kardashians is missing in that they obviously have financial success, obviously have business success, even some relational success and, and, you know, have had, uh, have had some relationships, have had some, you know, have, have kids, most of them, those types of things. And I'm sure there's a lot of joy and a lot of pleasure and, and those types of things, but the contentment, it mm-hmm. definitely feels like is, is missing for them. And I would argue that probably majority of celebrities, that contentment is, is really hard to find. And so I think you're right. I think in trying to really define that success, if you don't have that, and it's something that I've struggled with. And I've, I've said, I don't know if I'll ever be satisfied. I've I've gotten to a place of does and then it's well does that satisfaction matter or does it take a different approach, right? Does does satisfaction can I just be satisfied with being content for instance and um that's a hard one. Um I think for for many of us it's certainly hard for me. And um I'm curious for from how do you I'm sure it looks slightly different, but how do you impart this to, especially your family, of kind of getting them to buy into to all of that and finding in in thinking of finding their purpose? How do you how do you help them find that? Well, that was really um, kind of a powerful thing for me. Uh, a mindset shift, uh, two ways. Um, when I almost died. And the first one was that one of the regrets that you have, like when you're like, I realized I was like, oh, I think I'm dying. Uh, (laughs) You have these regrets over um, that everybody shares about relationships that you wish you had spent more time focused, enjoying and being around the people you loved that that always kind of tends to get pushed backwards. Um, and I also realized at that moment that I had told my kids since I could ever remember that whatever their gifting was, whatever that was to follow that passion, um, because it makes you happy and, and so forth. But I had not shown it. I had told them that, but I had lived my life the opposite of like trying to do like the society right thing and, um, security and having the nine to five, like I tried that rather than doing what I felt I was born to do. And so it was a mindset shift in that of, I can tell them anything I want, but if they don't see it, it means nothing. Mm. So again, that is a part of my purpose of showing that, okay, this is hard. Like (laughs) having your own business and doing things, like even just being alive, it's hard. (laughs) 
Yeah. This is how we get through it. And, you know, and again, it's that just that life in the small when you're talking about contentment and how I live today, because we just, we want that big thing and we're not, we're always working towards it and we miss all those little moments. And then the second thing was, and I had kind of mentioned this before, but it was that uh, before I almost died, I would say, okay, I, I have to go to work and then I have to get the kids from school and then I have to take them to practice and then I have to get home. And, and I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to. Mm. And the mindset shift there was I get to, Yep. I get to be the ones to pick their underwear up off the floor. I get to be the one that gets to pick them. You know, I get to watch mm -hmm. their teenage angst. And if you're struggling with a relationship with a significant other, anything, or a parent recognizing that you know, they may be hard. There are relationships, of course, you should just totally not be involved in. But if it's like something like that, where it's a parent, it's semi-healthy, you get to, when they're driving you crazy, you get to be their son or daughter. You get to be so-and-so's parent. You get to be someone's significant other. And that's a gift. Yeah, absolutely. It it reminds me of um, my uncle. My uncle passed away about five years ago now. And I, especially towards the end, I think he really had that mindset, really giving, really, especially with his time, you know, what he could give. Um, he didn't have a lot uh, of material things, but he tried really hard to, to be a good person and to, to spread joy and to do things that were beneficial to the world. And, um, you know, I, I mourn for my cousins who don't get to have that, right? They, they don't get to have their father. And mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I have always, just a little bit about me, my, um, I don't know my father. I have uh, my grandparents who've always really served in a parental role. I have my mother, but I don't, I don't know my father. I had a stepdad for a while. And um, so even though I don't have that piece, I know what it's like to have kind of some some additional stability that maybe others who didn't. I always thought that it was really hard growing up because I had this very kind of weird dynamic and it was very different than everybody else. And that's true, but I had so much stability through my grandparents that it was essentially the same as what a lot of people experience through their parents if their parents stay together, which also, especially my generation, that didn't also happen very often. Um, so all of that to say, like, I think for me, it is about recognizing the opportunities that I get. And, and really, you know, for my grandparents who are now getting older, it's that recognition of the time that I get to spend with them and that, you know, even the hard stuff is, it is what it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Of course. Um, in switching gears just a little bit i i'm curious how you kind of mentioned like kind of following that purpose and i'm guessing that's kind of where this started but motivational speaking how did that come about how did you figure out that was it that was the purpose that was the the goal and and the thing that that not only brings you joy but obviously gives helps other people find their purpose how did how did that come to be for you um, that took about 38 years of failure. <laughs> that's, that's how I found. I was like, oh, fair. Uh, no. <laughs> so, um, I, uh, I ended up, 
I grew up very, very rural. Um, as I said, you know, we grew on food and all that. And so we didn't have the arts, um, in my school at all. Uh, we had band, I should say that we did have band, but I had no exposure really to pop culture or anything like that. And I had an English teacher in my junior year who, um, pulled me aside and asked if I'd ever thought of acting because I had this super long bus ride to and from school. We were the last bus stop. And then we literally had to walk uphill a mile. We did. <laughs> on the <mail. laughs> but I, uh, she, I would get bored. And so I would make up characters in the background and I didn't know that that was acting like sure. in the, on the bus in yeah. the back not in the background, but in the back. <laughs> um, and so she had asked if I ever thought of acting and I said, no. So she helped me do this monologue. And then she took me to a, she drove me to a competition that was several hours away and I performed it. And looking back, it was probably pretty horrendous, but I had a, <laughs> one of the judges pulled me aside and said, Hey, how long have you been acting? And I said, today, and <laughs> so she told me about this program where they took 60 students from around the world and they interned with um, the Ashton Shakespeare Festival in Oregon, which is this world renowned theater. Yeah. So I applied, I got in and accepted. So my very first experience with theater was at this world renowned. And I just thought, oh my gosh, what is this? I love this. And it was stories and emotions and all this fun stuff and culture. <laughs> I remember I had coffee ice cream for the very first time. <laughs> um, and so I ended up winning a scholarship to study theater. And so I have a degree in theater and really my first role, I, I my first time ever stepping on stage, like to actually perform, perform. I was a freshman in college and I had such bad stage fright. I couldn't even look the other actors in the eye wow. and I still have terrible stage fright. So just because you're afraid doesn't mean you're not supposed to do it. I always say that too. Uh, <laughs> so um, I got married to that first husband, to that, he's, sorry, to my first husband. And he was not a fan of acting. And so mm. I, after we were married, he, um, I actually didn't act for 15 years. Wow. But what I did do was I started writing sketches for people and they would perform them. And, um, I, uh, in that, um, I got asked to perform one of them one time and I did, and I had no idea that what I was writing was stand-up comedy. Cause I mm. never, I didn't know what it was <laughs> Right. and I'm in my thirties. And so I had created this one woman show that I thought was an hour one woman show, but it was stand-up. And so then I went a competition for stand-up and I started doing stand-up and it took off pretty well, but it was never like, I would walk off stage. And then in the meantime, that's like when everything fell apart, uh, you know, with my health and life and, and so forth. And I would walk off stage and I, I know people are saying, you know, it's a gift to make other people laugh. And I, I totally understand that, but I didn't feel fulfilled. Like mm. I didn't like going driving cause I did. I mean, I wanted to learn and become better. I would drive six hours one way to, you know, the bar in somewhere in Nebraska and <laughs> perform, you know, or for like the Elks Lodge. Like I, I just did a lot of bad gigs, but I never felt fulfilled. 
And I got booked as a comedian, a clean comedian for a conference. And there was a speaker there and I went and I spoke and he pulled me aside and he's like, you are not a comedian. You need to stop billing yourself that you are a speaker. Hmm. He goes, what's your message? And so I kind of told him a little of my story and that was it. Like that really, uh, so then after that, I realized that once I started giving a message that brought positivity and hope, but I could make people laugh at the same time, like that was just it. Like there's yeah. nothing else on earth I want to do. Like, so in 2020, when everything shut down, I was like, nothing brings me that kind of fulfillment. Like right. that's like, I feel like who I meant to be and what I meant to do. And so it was a long journey of mishaps and failure and trying different things and stumbling into it. And also I would say that I probably wanted to quit every five seconds. Um, sure. <laughs> I'm a moody artist that's insecure. <laughs> so yeah. I would say like every five seconds, I'm like, Oh, I can't do this. And there was always somebody who spoke into my life that was better or farther along in the career. And starting with my English teacher who saw something in me, it's those people all the way along that really encouraged me to keep going. So I think if it wasn't for those mentors and people, you know, finding people who are better than you in any aspect of life to speak into your life and to help you is really a great decision. And to invite them in rather than see it as competition or see it as a roadblock to really see it as, hey, they are they've paved the way and I can, I could follow in their footsteps. I can learn from their triumphs. I can learn from their mistakes. We talked about it earlier. Mistakes typically teach us more so that, yeah, all of that, I think kind of plays, plays into that. And well, you, you brought it up. So I'm curious, what did the last year, I mean, what has that done to um, how, what kind of impact has that had in terms of your, ability to do that and ability to find that. Cause I do assume um, as someone who also loves speaking and is, is fulfilled by that. And ultimately maybe we could talk offline about this, but ultimately sure. would like to make a career <laughs> about that. Um, yeah. The, I, I, I'm curious how that has, has existed. Cause I know that that's different than doing it virtually um, as someone who's given multiple presentations virtually in the last year. Yes. Yeah. So 2020 was brutal. <laughs> it was brutal. Yeah. So it was going to be the best year I'd ever had. Um, I was going to, you know, I have the most gigs and, and, and so forth. And in March, in three days time, I lost every, the phone just kept ringing. It was just yeah. cancel after cancel after cancel. I, I, there was two that they stayed the same. I ended up doing one in a baseball field. They changed the conference to be outside. It, so I, I gave a speech in 98 degree weather on first base for an hour to a bunch of people. And they weren't allowed to sit in the stands yet. They had right. to like disperse across the top. So oh. that was an experience. Uh, and <laughs> I presented to cars. Uh, so like everybody's in their car yeah. and, <laughs> and I'm like, you, you flick your lights or do your windshield wiper. If you can agree, you know, just, right. Like, yeah. Just, just trying to be creative. But what happened for me was I took a little, uh, I was hesitant to switch to virtual because of comedy and because of my experience mm. of being on camera. And I knew the timing for camera 
is very, very different than the timing of live performing. So it took me months to finally say, yes, I would be willing to try it. And then I realized, uh, and, and then getting over the awkwardness of no feedback, you know, of Cause when you're funny or you're giving a speech, you can, you feel kind of the audience and where the audience is at. And if something's not landing, you know, to pivot and do something different and you have no clue. (laughs) You're just staring at a camera. And so, um, having to just risk again, failing, um, no feedback, no kudos, like nothing. And just doing what you've rehearsed and hoping it works. What happened was I did get over myself uh, because it really was about me and not wanting to look stupid and pride and fear and all that stuff. Uh, Once I got past myself, I realized that my message of losing so much so quick and not feeling in control and all that stuff really hit home for a lot of people because so many people experience that exact same thing. And so the message hit more than it had ever hit. And that is what made me, I still have stage fright. Like I said, I still get nervous every time, even on this podcast, I'm like, (laughs) I can do it. But, um, that was that sense of purpose that propelled me forward. So things are starting to pick back up, but also, uh, during that time, I thought about the people in my life who spoke into me and taught me things. And so I actually started a second part of my business, uh, where I'm trying to, <laughs> um, like with my YouTube and I have a website and everything where I'm trying to, like, I'm starting to blog and I have a program, blah, 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 blah. But it's about presentation skills or being funny or, you know, making yourself get up on stage. Um, because I was given that gift and now I want to be able to pass that on because for me, it's almost more meaningful, um, to help other speakers than it is for me to speak. Because if I have a room of 10 speakers with a powerful message and they go off and then they do their events, that's a way bigger impact than just me on this stage. And so, I really am uh, loving that. So that has been like a kind of off the ground and running slowly uh, through the past year. I would say it's like a bear crawl (laughs) because I really just kind of launched it in April. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, but that's, I think what you said is really poignant around your story and, and the, the motivation that you bring from that is even though, no one's gone through that exact thing. Like the idea of loss, especially in the last year and the idea of your life being upended and and people losing jobs. And I mean, just a ton of things, right? People dying and and all of that. It's, it is so applicable. And I'm, I'm just so glad you made that connection of like, oh, this actually, this is exactly what we've been talking about. And we are living it now and we're living it together, which is also obviously a very unique experience um, in the last year to just be able to have such a lived experience and kind of get away from our individual natures and re- realize I've said this several times on the last few podcasts, but realize how much we need that community and we need people around us and, and kind of that village. So um, I think that's great. I think it's really great that you were able to kind of put some of that fear and, and again, sit with the fear and go, why am I, why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling like I'm not having this impact or that I'm not being as impactful in the way that I think is necessary? And what it ultimately did was allow you to say, actually, 
not only am I doing that now, but I can do it in these other ways and inspire other people to kind of pay it forward, so to speak. And I, I think that's amazing. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I think what you're doing is amazing. Oh, so well, thank congratulations you. Congratulations <laughs> on your podcast and thank taking you. that risk. And yeah, that's a lot absolutely. of work. So, well, thank you. Uh, I'm really happy with kind of what we settled on with with what's your bliss, and that's I thought for a long time about what I would want to do a podcast on. I've loved podcasts forever, and like I always wanted to do one, and I do enjoy speaking so it just felt like a very natural mm. thing to do and then it just kind of well I talked about at the, the very first episode like the the reason that it's, it's called what's your bliss is because my son tried to get that as his own catchphrase uh when he was a junior in high school and that didn't really work but I loved the concept <laughs> of it um and then I loved the concept of bringing that positivity because I do feel like especially in the last year but certainly before that like we tend to focus on the negative and we tend to to see that more often. And so I really wanted to focus on bringing in guests that could bring unique ways to find positive. Okay. I, you know, it Aww. doesn't want me to compliment you. That's what I'm, that's what I'm <laughs> seeing here. I'm just trying to tell you how amazing I think your story is. And that I think it has, I think it's brought exactly the perspective that I've wanted um, to this podcast and unique ways to find bliss. Um, as we are wrapping up here, um, just what the thing I always ask at the very end is you've covered a lot of this, I think already, but if you had to give just kind of some baseline advice for how folks can find bliss by finding their purpose and by living in, you know, living in the small, what would that be? Um, I, do you like, I'm like, Hmm, how could I decipher that? Put it, well, I always say, you know, life is short, live it well. Yeah. And that is what I've learned and living it well is not defined by anybody, but you like yeah. knowing who you are and what makes you happy and brings you joy and a sense of purpose. Nobody can really do that for you. It has to kind of come from within, um, whether that's reflection or just looking past over your life of those moments and then incorporating that more, but it's not a big, uh, like we just want the 10 steps of <laughs> sure. to happiness and then you will never yeah. experience a negative emotion ever again. That's not right. reality. So it's really of knowing, okay, when things get rough or I'm having a rough patch or it's just a bad day, what can I do to shift that? And again, back to that question of how I live life today, some right. little, little simple techniques to kind of realign you with who you are and, and what makes you feel um, important and happy and loved and all those things. Um, you know, really, I think, again, going back to just living in the moment and, and not taking life for granted, <laughs> as you know, well, probably more than most. Um, I, I think that's really good things to take from from today. Uh, Stacy, it has been an absolute pleasure, an absolute delight. Um, I am feeling extremely inspired. I know that our listeners will be too. Um, I, I just want to thank you so much for spending your time with us today. And um, anything that you would like to promote? Oh, um, um, buy my junk. No, I just... <laughs> <laughs> I would, um, I, uh, so I'm, I am on, well, I'm not on Twitter really. I, I'm not a fan of Twitter. I, it's too, it's like, it's too moody. I don't blame um, you. It's, it's really just trolling nonstop. Yeah. 
but I am on social media. I will spell my name because uh, you would think it'd be an easy name to find. And it turns out there's 800 spellings of both names, but it's S-T-A-C-Y-P-E-D as in David, E-R-S-O-N. So I have a website, stacypeterson.com. Um, I'm trying to uh, start building my YouTube channel this year. So uh, finally diving into that. And then if you are interested in speaking, I do, the new website is boring to soar speeches.com and if you opt in um you can get like you get like a news uh, you know how people do it you get like a weekly newsletter with tips and a video yeah. uh but i'm really trying to blog quite a bit that's the goal of just sharing that expertise um because i would love to see as many people with a positive message get it out there so yeah awesome and we'll put all of that in the show notes as well so uh it will be hopefully easily accessible for folks. But thank you once again. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. appreciate it. You can find What's Your Bliss at anythingbutcredible.com and on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. Please follow on Twitter and Instagram at YourBlissPod and like What's Your Bliss on Facebook. If you have any questions for me, or if you'd like to be a guest or advertise on the podcast, please email me at yourblisspodcast at gmail.com. Please check out anythingbutcredible.com to find all the additional awesome content and podcasts, including Offended, Movie Merge, Going Off Topic, and of course, the Anything But Credible podcast. Podcast.